Well, what's up? Here we are again, post-Christmas podcasting with yours truly, Chad B. This life ain't for everybody. I'm with my man, T-Bone, with ending in an E from the Bone Collector. He hunts with Nick Munt, T, and Michael Waddell, E. I don't think that one worked, T-Bone, did you? Man, you was on a roll there for a little bit. Uh, I was freestyling there for a minute, buddy. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you again by our friends out of Lynchburg, Tennessee. Jack Daniels, enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Thank you, Jack Daniels, for believing in conservation and hunters and fishers and gatherers and providers and the culture of our awesome, awesome lifestyle that we are not entitled to. We are so blessed to live every day. I know my guest today, Travis T-Bone Turner, believes the same and... I think, you know, even though this dude has like zero ego for what he's accomplished in life, I think there's a lot of deer hunters a little envious about what you've been laying down this fall. I mean, even in the state of Georgia, you don't see deer like that. And then you go up to Kansas and just lay down a a monster. You're on a roll, huh, buddy? Welcome. Yeah, just absolutely an unreal year. I I mean, everybody said, well, where are you going next? What are you going to do the rest of this year? I'm like... Honestly, I mean, this was back at the end of October. I said, if I if I don't even kill a cockroach the rest of the year, I, I've already uh, had an, a, an amazing decade. Absolutely. So, yeah, no, it's been a really, really, really blessed year. Absolutely. Uh, several records, uh, personal records broke for me. Well, let's do let's take each of those instances and do it in rewind. How does it start? How does it start? um the celebration when you arrow a big deer like that you got to wait right there's a time frame there that you let the deer go lay down and make sure he bleeds out some are you know if you hit him back you wait longer i I understand a little bit about the laws of archery or even with rifle but not you know running a deer and chasing a deer and bumping a deer and and making him just keep running and getting that adrenaline running through that meat it's not good for it and plus you might never recover that deer as opposed to just letting him go chill out lay down for the night and and die um how does it start t-bone do you do you automatically call your wife do you call who's the first phone call do you text waddell do you wait to get a picture of the buck to make sure they know it's legit to text waddy and nick and the outfitter you're hunting with tell me let's go and rewind and then i want to go through you know everything from the scout to getting up in the tree and how it all laid out well for um uh, especially like on well with with any deer what what you're you're asking basically is um fortunately when we're with us filming them you get to rewind and you get to see where the shot was. You know, we use these lighted knocks and, and even if you don't use lighted knocks, we're filming it. So we get to see where the place was and you're just doing this so long, you just study and know the anatomy of the animal so good. So you know where the vitals are and you know where the, um, the boiler room is, you know, the heart, the lungs, the liver, you know, every, all the placements of that. So you come up behind the shoulder, you shoot, you know, don't shoot quarter two shots. If you can help it, they're lower percentage, shoot a quarter away shot. So once you see the shot placement, you know, we rewind the footage and, and you feel good about it and you see blood pumping out as it's running off. You can look at it slow and you can watch the arrow bury up there. You, you know that if you've got a heart and double lung, it's it's going to be a, a short track job and he'll be uh, expired within about an within 30 minutes to an hour. He's not going to run less than 200 yards. So odds are you can go pretty quick. But yes, um by all means, you know, Waddell, we have a group chat that goes amongst our whole team and bone collector and say, hey, guys, just just smoked a, a real good one, you know, potentially could be my my best one in Kansas. And then uh, 
you know, you give it 30 minutes, an hour. You, you don't want to bump it just like you had said. And then you uh, go out, find your arrow, look at the arrow. That The arrow tells the whole story. Fortunately, or hopefully, you get a pass-through. So you look at the arrow, see what color blood that's on there. Uh, make sure there's no guts on there. If it's dark blood, it's going to be a liver shot. If it's bubbly, kind of a real bright red, that's a lung and, uh, you know, uh, and heart shot. So uh, you look at that, analyze that, and, and it just let your tracking skills go then. And then start following the blood, be real quiet, ease in there, you know, and, and if something tells you to back out, by all means back out, especially if it's a cool evening, you can let it lay. There's, you know, if he's, if he's dead in two hours, he's going to be dead in 12. So there's no need to bump him and, and run him off your property or run him to where you can't find him after he's already stopped up the blood hole by, you know, bedding up or something. So you just let the signs tell you whether to proceed or not. And especially getting to review the footage and then, uh, then the celebration, once you get there to him, the celebration begins because you've, uh, you know, you found that critter and it's almost like the cherry on top. You've matched wits with him and you've studied trail camera pictures all year long. You've scouted, you've let this deer go for years and years and he's reached maturity and he's, you know, topped out as good as he's going to get. And, uh, you know, the, the trophy begins and then you start celebrating and Hey, Hey, I'm not against Jack Daniels and some Coke. <laughs> <laughs> what what is the the time frame of this harvest in? Let's do Georgia first, and then, is it always right at the last second to where the recovery is 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 it ninety percent of the time in the dark T bone, or does it do you kill a lot of them at noon? What what's the time frame of these big ones you're killing? Well, um, usually, you know, again, trail cameras have been probably the number one innovation for all bow hunting and hunting, you know, deer hunting period in the last 20 years, that and laser rangefinder. So the, the trail cameras are telling you, you know, they're giving you intel. And especially now that we have cell phone uh, trail cameras, it's given instant feedback so that even if you're not going to get to hunt the weekend for five days in advance, you're getting instantaneous. So you know what to do and you can pattern these deer. So um, all of these, it seems like early season uh, when they're on a feed pattern, the evenings work best because not to say that they're not out first things in the morning, but you end up uh, disrupting the whole uh, travel patterns and the, the, the normal day-to-day routines of these deer if you're going in in the dark and you disrupt the whole day with them. So let them do what they're going to do all night long because primarily they nocturnal feed. So you're just going to get them early in the morning or late in the evening. Usually we only hunt in the mornings uh, throughout the rut when they're crazy, silly, looking for love. So what we do is uh, hunt in the evenings and let the, the cameras tell you when they're daylighting and when they're coming in, uh, you know, where you can get a shot at them. So, yeah, and it, it is usually a, a dark recovery. You don't want to let it run overnight if you don't have to. Um, you want to try to recover it as quick as you can so that you save uh, all the meat that you possibly can, as well as, um, you know, coyotes stand a chance of finding your game and chewing it all up and ruining your trophy and taking all your meat. So, yeah, you owe it to the the game to get on it as quick as possible, but you want to make sure it's a, a lethal hit. So with the adva- advancement in the technology, like you discussed, I want to take that a step further in a minute. But before that, the scouting is a big part of this. You just talked about different ways you scout or the laser range finder and ways that you can kind of figure out the distances. I know you're one of those guys like most archery hunters that gets up and that tree's so far. If he's there, he's that, that. And so that's kind of like putting it in your head. Like he's that far. Maybe as a quarterback, you'd like, maybe you uh quarterback it 
with a little arm deal right there with like that one tree. Do you ever write it down? I don't know, but um, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like the scouting is everything. So on both of these instances, T-Bone on Kansas and your, and your Georgia buck, did you know these deer were in the general vicinity before you got in the tree both these days? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, the Kansas is the one I killed first and it was in the middle of uh, it was the third day of the Kansas season, which opened on the 14th. And for 30 days prior to that, this deer was regular two and three times a day, daylight. And uh, normally we hunt Kansas in November. And I said, you know, I told Waddell, I said, look, uh, and it was on my own farm. So it is a farm that I'd purchased in Kansas and I was so proud of it. And uh, this deer was there. He's mature, five and a half, six and a half years old. And I told Waddell, I said, I'm going while he's patternable. I mean, he is showing up daylight three times a day. So the cameras told me, you know, we had went out there in August, set up stands, set up blinds and, uh, you know, set up feeders and, and cameras and such. So we was getting the intel 30 days before season and, and uh, you'd be crazy not to go try. So I went in the opening week and even though it was muzzleloader season, I was hunting with a bow and I had orange on, orange hat, orange vest and everything. But um, you just watch the wind and, you, you know, it was just a matter of time while he was on a summer pattern because shortly towards the end of September, they're going to be losing all their velvet. They're going to be busting up from the bachelor groups and they're going out looking for love. You know, they start the pre-rut sequence, which is always through the October month. And then uh, they lose their pattern. So you, you're not going to be on their pattern. It's going to get harder and harder and harder. So we we uh, maximized the opportunity for sure. And uh, it, it paid off. And that, and that adds to the pride factor. You know yourself, like if you're scouting, uh, you know, uh, duck holes or what have you, I, I see, you know, watching you on social media and stuff, you guys are always – uh, ahead of the game, you know, the night before, so you know where they're going, so that you don't want to waste three and four hours before sunlight putting out spreads. Scouting means everything, man. So you you scout hard and work hard during the off season. It sure does make the the hunt uh, much more enjoyable because it's hard to scout during the middle of your hunt. Not to mention the pride that you must feel with both of these are on your land. I, I think I read in one of your posts that Kansas is even on a farm you own with a buddy. You yeah. guys, you guys are, you guys are farming for deer, you're food plotting, you're, you're, you're really, you know, making sure that this land is the most beneficial piece of land that it can be for the, not just deer, but all the other, as you call them critters in the area, that might be a coyote or a skunk or a, you know, there's a lot of rodents and rats and a lot of different birds that flourish off of great land management. And then at the same time, Ooh. you taking pride in your scouting, your land management, your ability to build out this land after you take so much pride in purchasing it that's a big deal you know what i mean so is georgia the same thing did you know this deer is on your farm in georgia and, and from what i've been told i believe it was is it is it 70 acres or it's a it's a pretty small parcel or track of land in georgia right yeah i i have 67 acres and i've i've had this land since 99 and uh well i've I, I've, it's turned into 70 acres. I started with 27 in 1999 and now it's 70 acres. And yeah, I've just extensive managed it. And, and you know, to what you said and to your credit, what I was saying, like what you were saying is I enjoy that as much, if not more than the actual hunt. I mean, honestly, all year long, I mean, I can't not get enough of being on a skid steer, being on a tractor, managing these properties, grooming these properties, polishing these properties to maximize uh, the, 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 the opportunity for the wildlife. And it just does my heart good. Like Sunday night, I went out and I'm, I'm tagged out here in Georgia, but I, I, I went and sat in a stand, seen 26 deer just absolutely munching and mowing down from where we had, uh, cultivated the ground and planted these food plots. You know, it's, it's no different than some of the things that you're doing in the off season, 
for the ducks and stuff. You know, it, it's it, anybody that's a hunter is a conservationist, and this is taking it to the to the very top level. So that I'm getting a pride factor of working these deer, finding their sheds, taking trail cameras, getting them up to five and six years old, and we're planting food plots and cutting lanes, and you're strategically placing blinds and stuff so that each year you can duplicate that. You know, the the deer movement and such. So that to me is the whole meat and potatoes of the deal. And then the harvesting of the, the mature animal is the cherry on top. So with that said, you know, it, it, it just makes it so much more rewarding uh, when you have that much vested in sweat equity involved. With all the sweat equity and all the anticipation, the adrenaline, the conversations, the, the fun, the, the, the part of being part of the brotherhood of the bone collector that you and Mutt and the, the boss man Waddell have unbelievably created over the last 12, 13 years. What a freaking brand. Congratulations. But if both of those deer that we are discussing right now in Kansas, in your home state of Georgia, T-Bone Turner, are 140s to 153s, Let's say that you do shoot them because you know that's a good deer on your land. I'm, I'm, I'm knocking out the management part of this for a second, okay? Let's say there's yeah. no chance of these big deer that you got on the ground that we're talking about. Is the celebration the same? Be honest with me, T-Bone. Do you feel in your heart and soul the exact same? Because I saw Waddy posting some pretty legitimate pictures in Oklahoma and other places of some management bucks that he was so proud to take yeah. out of the herd, help the landowner, the outfitter. Is it the same, or when you get this much bone in your hands, does it change everything? Well, I, I mean, it does. It 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 does add more. You know, there's different levels to it. By all means, um, doing what we do, we get we have to travel all over the country. So, um, on our own farms, we're working it 12 months. So we're getting to see it all four seasons. We're getting to work the ground and everything. So all that does add to it. Now, don't get me wrong. Killing a a 155 inch deer in Texas or or you know you show up and hunt five days with an outfitter. Absolutely, you 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 are celebrating with that outfitter. You know it's not a it's not a. I say this all the time on the show. If you follow it, is you know basically I'm a hitman. These guys have done all the work, but because I do that my own self on my own farms, I can appreciate all the hard work that these outfitters go through. Whether you're duck hunting, whether you're deer hunting, they're doing the same things. There's a pride factor for them. They're just allowing their clients and or us to be the hitman. You know, we're the trigger man. We're the one that's going to get the taxidermy bill, but nonetheless, we can celebrate as a whole. We can, we don't need to be selfish. We don't need to let our egos get in the way. We celebrate as a whole. It's like, Hey, high-fiving with the outfitters and the guides. And it's like, guys, I know you guys have been following these deer so much and, you know, and you can see it in their eyes. They're just so passionate about the deer that you killed because they've raised these deer. They got, they got, um, sweat equity and, and, uh, they got a relationship with these deer and, and I want everybody to be, uh, involved in that so that it's a group celebration, not like, Hey, look at me pounding your chest. Look what I killed. You know, it's, it, that's not it at all on the road. But when you come back home and you're the one that did all that, absolutely. There's a special place in your heart for you're the one that's worked that land for 20 years behind my house. And finally, you know, I mean, those are the two biggest deer that, that I've, uh, that I killed here in Georgia. They're the, the, the largest buck I've ever killed with a bow in Georgia and the largest buck I've ever killed anywhere. And I killed them both right here on my home farm in Georgia. And then the biggest buck that I've ever killed with a bow anywhere, I killed this year on my own farm in Kansas. So absolutely, it's gonna be hard to top this year. And I hope that doesn't come across as arrogant, it comes across as passionate. No, I love it. And you know what else is really cool is that you are the one that is so key um, 
and become such have such a reputation of a bow master not just shooting a bow under pressure or target shooting in championships you know in your experience in your lifetime but you build bows for like we've talked about in the podcast before for a lot of people including the guys that you hunt with on the show. So now you take it another step further that the equipment that you're using, you're building these bows out, you know, you're, you're building, you know, everything from the string to the peeps, to the sides, to the, to the, to the mounts and the rest and every, the knock, everything that you're doing from the arrow to the broadhead, to everything you are building this out. I'm not saying that you're the manufacturer. I know you work with Hoyt, but you're yeah. taking that Hoyt and you're making it a masterpiece. And now you got a dependable, piece of equipment on a dependable piece of land that you put so much sweat equity and passion in with the yeah. dependable scouting that you spent hours doing. I mean, it's a really cool process and we haven't even got into the best part of the taxidermy It's cool, but so are those back straps, right? Oh man. Yeah. You said it. Yeah. The, but, and, and that just all stems from, uh, you know, back during my tournament days, as far as if you are going to be a tournament archer, you have to learn to work on a bow. And, uh, you know, I, I knew I didn't want to, I wanted to do something in the outdoor industry. So I'm like, Hey, I, I love competing and I work on a bow. I might as well turn that into a career. So I opened my own store like we've talked about before, but I, I just love doing that. If, if you're a competitive archer, it's almost a cross between the mental side and the, um, suppressing the nervous energies like a golfer, but you got to be able to work on your gear like a NASCAR mechanic because, you know, um, things wear out and you're trying to build the better mousetrap. So you have to be able to work on the bows. And I just threw myself into it wholeheartedly. And I just could not get enough of working on uh, the bows and trying to, to build the best setups. And and that's what brought me to the industry. That's what got me noticed by Realtree is setting up bows and having my own store. And I started working on everybody's equipment. And, and to this day, my wife said, once we built our house, you know, 10 years ago, she says, why are you putting a shop in the basement? And I'm like, Honey, I said, I, as long as I'm drawing air, I'm going to be working on bows. And I said, this is what brought me to the dance. And, you know, I don't necessarily have to do that anymore, but I love doing it. I still set up 40 or 50 bows a year. And there's such a huge pride factor knowing that these people that I'm working on their bows. And even if I'm sharing some some tips or hints or just my versions or, my, you know, my thoughts on archery and bow hunting and stuff, if it helps some folks that are watching the podcasts or YouTube channels and stuff that we're talking about, you know what? I'm, I'm. It's just a feather in my cap. It makes me proud that I'm helping archers and bow hunters somewhat, and uh, hopefully they'll be a little more successful, a little more accurate uh, when they're out in the field. T-Bone, with all the things that you've mentioned with the bows and the technology and the scouting and the trail cameras and the laser rangefinders, the tree stands, the safety systems, the food plotting, the land management, if you take all of this into the account, what is the number one best answer, number one best way to answer this question if Waddell, Munt, and T-Bone are standing on stage at the Dixie Deer Classic during a seminar and somebody raises their hand and says T-Bone how did your dad and how did your daddy and your grandpa ever kill a deer without any of the stuff that you're talking about how did Fred Bear kill so many good deer how how have these guys done it in the 60s and 70s if you guys is it an advantage right now what is the best way to answer that question i know that we're living in the heyday of hunting but are there as many deer i don't know are there bigger deer now than there were back then what's the best answer to that question well there i i know that when i was i'm going to show my age a little bit but i know when i first started hunting and stuff you know my dad would come in and he'd say hey we're on them man i seen three tracks today and he was happy 
not even seeing a deer. He'd go weeks and weeks and weeks without even seeing a deer. He was so happy just to see tracks. So I, I know that, um, you know, the deer herd, it, thanks to the great efforts of all of our Department of Natural Resources, as well as the hunter's dollars, have made the white-tailed deer such a success story. I mean, our herd is in the best shape it's, you know, ever been, and that's because of, uh, you know, the hunters, the white-tail uh, DNR, and, uh, well, the conservation efforts of all of the above for all of our game. And um, with that said, I, I think there's more deer out here. The records are being broken more just because of all the innovations with all the products. I mean, like you said, it is the heyday. But, yeah, hats off to the determination of the uh, the, the, the Fred Bears out there and the guys that had to hunt back there. I cannot imagine having to go through what they did. You know, I, I mean, I got a little taste of it, but – once we lived in the heyday, like you said, the last 10 or 15 years, man, to go back to that and, you know, hunt so hard and so diligently and not get any intel from trail cameras and, and oh, that would be, that would be, certainly would be tough. But uh, hats off to them for paving the way for all of us. Um, who do you accredit for your ability to sing and memorize lyrics or do you have cue cards on your windshield when you're driving these cars and your rigs i mean this is unbelievable entertainment t-bone i've been watching it and it's not like you're singing a real slow hank williams senior junior song that somebody would think t-bone turner would be religiously listening to on a daily basis i mean you're pulling out adele and some britney spears i mean you're pulling out stuff that that i love i know you're a huge timberlake fan i oh, don't yeah. know i don't know if you're a gaga fan but i mean you're pulling out some stuff that's uh that's not really supposed to be being being sung by i don't know how to define you are you a redneck t-bone Oh yeah, I'm the epitome of a redneck. Epitome yeah. of a redneck deer yeah. hunter from South Georgia. What are you doing, and how did you get this ability and this talent that that you're that you're showcasing these days? Yeah, I, I hear you. I know what you're talking about, and I know it's absolutely silly. And I'm like, man, I, I'm doing TikTok and stuff like that. Like I was a 17 year old girl, and I, I, I and I'm re I really need to check my age and stuff. But I really enjoy doing that. I mean, it's not. I, I just enjoy doing it. And I've always loved music and you're like me, you're a road warrior. I mean, how many times have you listened to music and stuff? And I just, I just think it's kind of entertaining. Enjoy it. You know, months always been known as the karaoke machine, but uh, I guess he's been our front man, but in the, in the, in the closet, I'm a karaoke man myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, are you memorizing these lyrics or are you reading them? It looks like you're driving when you're doing it. No, I, I, I memorize them and it's just, it, you know, it's just a little 30 seconds at a time. So yeah, I just memorize them and yeah. And, and, and you really, you memorize them whether you know it or not. And then, then when you get put on the spot, it's like, man, I know that too dang good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, well, I know it's silly. It's just so fun to do. I don't think, I think it's awesome. I think it's cool that you, you guys have the ability, Waddell's, uh, post last week when he's drumming and yeah. you guys are doing the thing of the, you know the the bone collector you guys are you guys have done that before you've been on stage as a full band but oh yeah as you continue this journey i've been watching these you know best of 2020 and i think they showcased some of yours yesterday on the bone collector best of 2020 as you mature into midlife like i am waddell is munt is yep tell my audience our audience when is it over? I had this, I had this conversation a little bit with Tyler Jordan yesterday about his dad. Yeah. Um, his dad's just turned 71 three days ago. Um, yeah. 
is it still fun for you? Do you, do you, are you as mad at them as you were 20 years ago? And I know that's a term. I don't, I want to make sure that everybody understands that I don't mean like we're angry or we're going to go, uh, you know, be the grim reaper on these deers. I hate, I don't really like talking like that. I'm saying like, that's a term that you hear in the South a lot. I'm not that mad at them anymore, especially in duck yeah. hunting. I always hear Southern duck hunters be like, I just, I ain't that mad at them. I ain't going to get up at three in the morning tomorrow. Right. It's kind of a yeah. funny way of saying like, I'm not going to go stand in the rain to shoot a duck tomorrow. I'm not that mad at them. Um, is it the same right now at this age as it was, let's say 13 years ago? Is it better now? Are you getting the even more? I know you're killing the biggest deer of your life right now. Yeah. But is it the same? Can you not wait? Are you just fired up for next season already? Are you fired up for tomorrow? Are you fired up for the Jackie Bushman squirrel classic? Do you still love it as much as you've always have? Yeah, I, I love the whole process. I mean, from, from, from planting the food plots to, you know, I even sit in the stand late into the season. I mean, when there is no season, just because I enjoy it that much. So, uh, yeah, it's not the same as when I was in my twenties and the, you know, Georgia gave us the, they gave us 12 deer that we could kill per year. So I, I felt like I had to kill 12 deer. So I was more into quantities there, but it's more than <clears throat> it, it's, it's more than just killing the critter. It's way more than that. It's a, uh, it's, you know, it's everything that's involved. It's uh, going to the gun clubs. It's going to the local stores and celebrating with all your friends. I mean, it's 365 days a year. I mean, your mind's always thinking towards hunting. The the, the kill is just the cherry on top. So, yes, as far as uh, loving the outdoors and the conservation and the, the management process and the hunting, absolutely, I'm going to love that till the day I'm dead. One thing you left out there that I know you love is your fans. Um, you guys have an awesome fan base. Um this time of year, we're three weeks usually from SHOT Show. I think two weeks from ATA, three weeks from SHOT Show, then you roll into NWTF, then Alabama, Dixie Deer Classic, the Carolinas, Wisconsin you guys go to. COVID is probably going to prevent a lot of these. I know ATA for sure is done. I know NWTF has been canceled. I know SHOT Show has been canceled. Yeah. I know that you you called both of us and everybody that you know that you work with roadrunners. We're on the road a lot. You have a family. I know you love your wife and kids, but are you relieved a little bit, honestly, T-Bone, that you don't have to fly to Vegas, that you don't have to go up to Nashville? I know you love your fans, but is there a part of T-Bone Turner that's like, oh, man, I get to just stay home and relax? Or do you wish that you were getting to go to all of those right now? Uh, I'll be completely honest with you. Um I mean, we've been going at it hard for 15 to 20 years and um, not not just on, I mean, those shows, but speaking at a lot of banquets and stuff like that. And and we don't like to call them fans. We just call them extended family. I mean, it is. It is a fa- family of hunters and outdoors and conservationists. And I do miss them. I, I really do. Um, fortunately, you know, through social media, we can connect and stay connected with a lot of them. I'm not, I'm not going to miss Vegas, but I do, I am going to miss ATA. Uh, just because I'm a guru and gadget man. I just love seeing all the new toys, all the new innovations. I just, I, I love the the ATA show so much. It's my favorite uh, trade show that there is. Shot show, uh, man, Vegas, Vegas will get you if you ain't careful. So, <laughs> so uh, I've got my foot stuck in the fun wheel a couple of times out there. So I, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm okay to miss Vegas this year. And then NWTF is always huge for us, you know, with Michael being the spokesperson for NWTF and, and, and being, uh, you know, certainly mad at the turkeys. Uh, we have so many fans uh, and friends from, 
family from around the southeast that they always make their way to Nashville. So that's going to be a hard one because there's so many great people that we love seeing every year there. Where does it go from here? What are you looking forward to the most with the brand specifically Bone Collector? Is it what you just explained, everything in a nutshell? Is it the new product that you guys are launching under the name? Is it the potential of offshoot shows? What do you, is there anything that you can let out of the bag that we have coming with Bone Collector? Or are you just staying the course, staying in your lane, and you, you love the way it is right now? We, we, we certainly love the way it is right now, but we don't have the mentality to conquer the world. So many people, uh, you know, w- with our age, and uh, I, I think we're pretty satisfied with a simplicity style of life, but yet we want the, the culture of the brotherhood to go on. We want that brand to represent all of those out there that, that uh, are like-minded individuals, you know, that, that love hunting, that love family, that love God, that love country and the right to bear arms. We want people to be proud uh, of, of wearing our logo and what it represents. And we hope it doesn't come across as ego uh, driven. So yeah, we're, we're going to continue to spread the brand uh, and, and let it stand for what it stands for. We're real excited about our, uh, you know, the new songs that we've got coming out with the brother, the relaunch of the Brotherhood album. We did that not long ago. And we've got some new songs in there. Uh, Red Akins, Dallas uh, Davidson. And, uh, and and we've got some things coming up that we're planning for the upcoming year. Of course, COVID's going to have a little uh, uh, it'll be some neat appearances if it works out the way we've got it planned. But uh, you, you know yourself, this is a, a it's a changing time, you know, between digital, social media and television, things are changing rapidly. So fortunately, we've got a, a good, strong family uh, fan base, and we're just laying in the bushes and being prepared in, in all of those categories so that we can, uh, you know, continue to to uh, entertain and be there for everybody and, and, and fly the outdoor flag. That's what we're doing is just, uh, y- you know, we're, we don't want to get too aggressive, but then again, we don't want to sit back on our heels either. Did, did COVID and the some of the threats that have been being laid down um for the you know our second amendment rights uh ammunition sales in the state of california i don't know if you know anything about that but it's just amazing what's going on there right now with background checks and and what you have to do to even get a box of 22 hornets um i know you're a god-fearing man have you had any fear at all in your heart about our culture and our lifestyle with what's been going on and how toxic some of the things and topics and themes have become over the last 12 months or so? Yeah, it, it's certainly concerning. Um, um, you know, the, the country does seem divided and I hate that. And I, I, uh, I, I, it, it seems so cut and cut and dry and black and white to me. And I just don't know how we get the message to that. But yeah, I, I think, I think probably for my generation and your generation, Chad, I think we'll be okay, but I worry about the next generation. I worry, I, I, I certainly worry about, you know, 10, 20, 25, 30 years from there. I, I wonder what it's going to be like. And, uh, you know, we, we've got to dig our heels in now more than ever. I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not anti the other party. It's just this country wasn't founded on that. And it just makes perfect sense from, from a common sense standpoint of, of where this country needs to go and, and where we need to dig our heels in. There's perfect examples all over the world of, of, uh, you know, communism and, and the, the way 
some cultures are ran and, you know, we, we don't want to go down that road. I mean, we shouldn't want to go down that road. I, I can't believe that so many people would vote for the folks that are, are leaning towards that way. When you see pictures like the one that I believe was posted today on Bone Collector of the back, I think it was a back of a truck with the Waddell family. Yeah. I've seen pictures of like, th- like that of your family, Nick and his wife and, and kids. Yep. You see it with a lot of people in this industry from whether it's Jim and Eva to Ted and his wife to, I mean, I could go on and on. We both could, right? Yep. How, how, uh, what sympathetic are, are, are you to that part of this lifestyle, T-Bone? Do you ever catch yourself literally getting choked up because of what we get to do. And I don't mean you and I, I mean, we, like you said, this brotherhood, this, this culture yeah. of the American hunter, the world hunter, do you ever get physically choked up on how lucky we truly are? Especially when you see somebody like the Waddell family smiling like that, knowing what they're going to get to enjoy with those backstraps and this fun and the stories and memories they just created. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, uh, maybe that's because some of my maturity and, and, you know, getting to reflect back on, you know, 30 plus years of, of, of hunting and experiences, it, it makes you really, really, really treasure those moments. And, and, you know, I can, I can look at a picture, I can look at, uh, you know, a father and son and just absorb everything that they're going through rather than just saying, Oh, look, that young man killed his first buck. I mean, I can sit there and think and really just absorb everything that young man's going through. And it just, you know, brings back those same emotions with myself. And, uh, yeah, I do get choked up. I mean, I, I know that sounds kind of sappy, but yeah, I do. I, and I appreciate that. And I hope that, you know, some of the things that we, we do as well as yourself and, you know, the, the folks that do have a camera on, uh, on us and, and entertainers are, you know, let, let their ego go and, and, and hopefully they try their best to spark those fires, uh, amongst others, others that are watching us so that we can, you know, continue on. With you being midlife and me right with you, are you glad that you got to do it when you did? Do you think Waddell is glad that he's gotten to do it when he did? Because I said I I have been quoted of saying what I'm about to say a lot of times, and I said it as late as, as late as yesterday. I said this same comment yesterday when I was speaking to somebody, and I can't remember who I was talking to because both of us have so many conversations, but. I said, I don't think there will ever be, and you, I know that you, that they're not fans. I know that, that you got, that's a, an extension of your family, but Michael mm-hmm. Waddell is a true American hunting rock star. You've seen the lines, you've seen the response, you've seen what this man has accomplished in such a short amount of time. You could call it being in the right spot at the right time. I call it being good. I call it being the best there ever was. He's my favorite of all time. You've heard me say that a lot. Yep. Are you guys, do you think you and Munt and Waddell are happy to have done it when you did? Or do you wish that you were doing it now because of all the ways of getting this content out there? Because I don't think there's ever going to be another Waddell, T-Bone, Munt combination. I'm not saying never, but as far as national TV, national seminars, and all the stuff that you guys have done as a brand and a family and a brotherhood, I don't know if it can be done with the way it is now because it's so spread out and it's so saturated and it's so everybody's got their own way of getting their content out there, which I respect it all. It's all cool. But do you wish you were starting now at 21 or 25 years old doing the TikToks with a vengeance, doing the Instagram and the Facebooks with a marketing vengeance and all of the different ways you can get your content out there? Or are you satisfied with doing it through the nineties and the two thousands? Well, that's a two part question. If you're saying that, 
would I sacrifice all that to go back to be 21? Yeah, I would do that if I could be 21 <laughs> again. <laughs> Absolutely, I would. Yeah. But if you're saying, uh, you know, if, if you had to start, it, it, you know, w- would I rather go through what I went through to get to here now or if I started right now at 21 and still be the same age? No, I, no um, of course, that that's that, you don't know what the future holds from from this point on. But no, I, I think we're blessed. I mean, um the seeds were planted early with us, me, Michael and Nick all grew up very similar. And I'm sure you did too, Chad, but like from, uh, from an early age, uh, my, my dad and my uncles and my peers, uh, instilled in me outdoor values as far as fishing and hunting. And, uh, you know, I treasured all those memories when I was, was so young and growing up and seeing, you know, before the, the electronic era, before the cell phones, when you go sit in the woods and you didn't have trail cameras, I'm glad I grew up in that era. And then, you know, to right time, right place. And, you know, hopefully the, the, you know, we, we, we did have a a talent or a a personality that folks kind of resonated to. Um, Yeah. We, we, we were very fortunate to be uh, involved with a great company of Realtree Um, and Bill Jordan, David Blanton, let us all, me, Michael and Nick, let our, um, we was able to spread our wings and fly and let us be our own personality and, and the fans loved us and they gave us a, you know, that they were able to give us a platform and right time and right place. And fortunately the right people. And, uh, and, you know, but Waddell believed in us. Waddell was like you said, the rock star, he was way ahead of us, but I, he has such a creative eye and he has uh, such a non uh, selfish uh bone in his body so he, he was able to you know and, and asked me and Munt to be a part of it you know we're we're great friends then and he he's uh trusted in us and and uh you know you know we we get approached me and nick do all the time like hey when are you gonna when y'all gonna start your own show you know i mean a lot of times people ask us that when we're out on the road and i'm like why why i mean everybody thinks that once you get successful that's what you ought to do is branch off and do your own show i'm like that's not even a blip on the radar with me i'm like i'm a part of the uh, you know, not to sound arrogant, but I'm a part of the greatest thing I've ever been a part of. And I mean, if it wasn't for Realtree and if it wasn't for Waddell, I would not even be nowhere near where I'm at. I mean, I have an unbelievable loyalty to them, not to mention I have a absolutely great time. How blessed am I? I ain't going nowhere, man. I said, I'll be a bone collector till Waddell, you know, hits me in the head with a shovel and fires me. I'm, I'm, I'm here. Instead of him hitting you in the head with a shovel and firing you, he asks you to be the guest speaker or the master of ceremonies at his, at the Michael Waddell retirement party. Let's just say yeah. that there might be one someday, probably not, but let's say that there's going to be a retirement shindig soiree. I, what do you call a party in the South? Uh, a tailgate? What do you call them down there? Tailgate and um, tailgate uh, party. Yeah. And he says, I want you to speak at it. T-bone. Number one, can you get through that speech without tearing up? Do you think you can? Is it going to be full of comics and one-liners and stories about the comedy of Michael Waddell and your experiences with him? To, are you going to try not to cry and shed a tear? 
And how do you start that speech? Where I'm going with this is you and Munt probably more than anybody besides maybe Michael Waddell's daddy and his immediate family, you know every side of Michael Waddell. Is there a sad side? Is there a mean side? Is there an aggressive side? Is there a funny side? Is there a karaoke side? Is there the marketing genius side? Is there the businessman side? Is there the negotiator side? There's a lot of sides of Michael Waddell, I would assume. Would you would you try to touch on those or could you pick a favorite part of your of your good friend and maybe best friend, Michael Waddell, that you would center in on this speech? Well, this shindig or hoedown that you're talking about would not it'd be a two day deal. I can tell you that right now. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, with with that said, uh, no, I I, I, I'm an emotional softy. So uh, and and we have these conversations. I mean, sometimes when we're having business meetings and we open up and stuff i mean we'll all be sitting around tearing up a little bit just because we we love each other and we you know we cut on each other so bad you know how it is when you got a good close group of friends you're cutting on each other and making fun of them and 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 that's okay but you let someone outside the group go to cutting on them everybody in that group is just going to gang gang jump them that it's like no that's my brother i'm allowed to make fun of him you can't say nothing about him so that's kind of the way we feel about each other and um yeah, I, I mean, I could give a speech, and uh, I mean, it'd take me a little bit to, to. I mean, there's a lot of things to talk about, but yeah, I could uh, touch on a little bit of all that. And there's, there is all those sides to to Waddell, and there's all those sides to 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 each and every one of us. But he's a, he's certainly a special individual. But yeah, we we would it would be more like a celebrity roast, and I think he'd want it that way too. He'd want us to uncover all the the fungus and 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 some of the things that right there is what it has to be (laughs) it has to be a roast with with people that have ran with him and you have you're you're gonna have one too but michael obviously i love the ability to have a podcast with all of you i love having you on here and i never want it to be like oh i'm talking to t-bone so i'm gonna ask him all these questions about waddell but we both agree that this guy is he's for real without a doubt no questions asked the reason i'm at where i'm at be because i would have never started if it wasn't for him he i told him at shot show orlando many many moons ago what was that 2009 or so i don't even remember but i told waddell in orlando he didn't even know who i was i said you're the reason i'm trying this and he watched my trailer that day in my in a booth so like i that's why i bring him up a lot because i honestly think that that we were lucky to have that friend inspiration go to of what it's really like to be real on camera and not yeah. egotistical you know and, and be as happy with a 140 as you are with a 185 i i just i think that that means a lot and i think that that's why i'm so sympathetic to knowing you guys of like foul life is a completely different animal than killing deer we're duck hunters but it's a lot like the bone collector meaning that of of what we're trying to you know perceive and present and showcase killing a duck is not hard it's about way more than that it's about way more than what when that arrow went through that deer and that pass through i know you have a ton of compassion for that deer but it's about all of that other stuff that waddell showcases so genius like like that word gets thrown around forgive me if i use it too much because i really try not to but i honestly think that the man is genius in front of a camera would you agree oh absolutely yeah and then you know not to not to you know uh to pat you on the back but you you're you're the same as well you're very very well spoken and and you you do a fantastic job i'm a big admirer of that but yes to, to talk about waddell when we first started this years ago, I mean, I was doing stuff for Realtree during the road trip days. 
um, you know, uh, this was before we started Bone Collector. You know, I would just watch Waddell and I'd say, man, how do you know what you're going to talk about? Because my background, when I was talking in the early 2000s, long before Realtree, I, I would give speeches and talks and stuff about um, archery. Well, that's easy for me to talk technical, stand up and talk technical about archery. But then Waddell's giving these speeches and I'm just watching in awe, you know, like I'm off stage or sometimes he'd ask me to come out and I'd sit there and I'm like, there is no way I can ramble on for 45 minutes. There is no way I can do what he does. And I'd ask him, I'd say, how do you outline, you know, because I was sitting there trying to outline a speech almost like it was a, a program, com, you know, a comedy routine. And he goes, I just get up there and start talking, man, and just things <laughs> pop in my head and just go. And and I'm like, there's no way. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. He goes, and every time I would try to do that, I would have it outlined in my head, I guess maybe because I'm a little more anal and trying to have things buttoned up and so and then i'd forget something that was in my outline and then i'd crumble on stage this was 20 years ago and i'd crumble on stage and i'm and then he'd say t-bone he goes you're writing these outlines in your head of things to talk about and people in that audience don't know what about your outline if you trip up just go on to something else just if you lose a train of thought just keep on talking he goes they're they're there you, you're going to see that they don't want to they want to learn about you they want to see about you they want to act like you shared campfire and he told me that and then I learned, I feel like I've learned from the best because I've sat beside him and watched him for 20 years. Um, I don't even think twice about it. No matter where we go to talk, you, you're the, I'm sure you're the same way. We stand up whether there's 40 people out there or whether there's 400 and, and really don't even get nervous about it at all and just go to talking and fellowshipping. And before you know it, we're all laughing and high-fiving and having a good time. I mean, with the audience as well. I mean, and, and, and it's an extended family, but yes, Waddell is a genius. So we call him Martin Luther Waddell a lot of times. Cause like, uh, we'll go to these, um, uh, with companies and stuff and they'll say, Hey, you want to stand up and say, y'all want to stand up and say a little something. And me or Nick will start. And, you know, we know that they have got a, a like a two or three minutes that they just want us to say something and they need to move on with their meeting. And then like 30 minutes later, once Waddell gets it, he's just rambling and rambling and rambling and rambling and rambling. I'm like, he's like the energizer bunny. He just keeps rolling and rolling. But he's the type of person that could tell you about brushing his teeth and you'd be sitting on the edge of your seat because you want to hear everything he's got to say about it. Exactly. So yeah, no, he is, he is a very special individual and the road trips, you can agree, changed the whole way outdoor programming was. You know, him and Steve Finch were absolutely just um, wonderful for having that creative vision and it, it it changed the the hunting you know it was a different kind of hunting show and and uh you know i think this day they set the bar pretty high back back in the early in the mid 2000s i would agree 100 percent. i think that what you guys continue to do i've talked to you guys about your on-camera presence with each other the three of you going back and forth the way that the show is done um, it's very consistent. There's not a lot of curveballs in the Bone Collector show. You're going to see, you know, different things happening in camp or whatever, but there's that underlying ability to bounce off of each other so naturally, which is so engaging to me. Like, man, that's not as easy as they make it look. And it's so unscripted. It's unbelievable. It's just natural back and forth. It's not like Waddell's going, all right, I'm going to go do my interview and I'm going to say this. 
tune in on tone it or hone in on how I say this T bone. Cause when you come in here, I want you to say something that bounces off that. It's just, it's just so natural to me. And I think that that's why it's going to be so enjoyable in camp. When I finally do get to get in camp with you guys someday and sit around that fire and, and be so natural of, of the stories and the memories and just the camaraderie, right? The, the fellowship yeah. is, I've learned that word fellowship in the South too. You know, I'm a Western, I'm in Nevada, California, Oregon, out here on the West coast. I love it out here, but there's something different about what y'all do. And I say y'all because I am going to say y'all because I've learned that word in the <laughs> South too. Um, and, but it's some, there's something different about the way you guys do things, about the way y'all do things yonder and, and, and fix and fixing to. And it's, a, it's just a, a very sought after environment, habitat, culture, community, society of mine. I, th- I tell people all the time, duck camp's my favorite place to be in the world better than Rome, better than Paris, better than Argentina. I've been all over the world like you have, but duck camp is my favorite place to be duck camp, America, duck camp, Canada. But there's something about duck camp in Arkansas or Louisiana or the Southeast, as opposed to duck camp in California. I'm not saying that duck camp, California is bad. I'm just saying there's something different about down there. And I just think that you guys do a great job of catching that and the spirit of what family is and camaraderie and the culture down there. I think that's what is really developed and built that brand. I know that real tree is help. I know that your partners are key, but that camaraderie of you three has built that brand to where when you say things like, when are you going to go do your own show? T-Bone, you need to break off and do your own. Why? This is my show. This isn't Michael's show. He might be have his name on, but this is our show. You guys, that show would not be the same if T-Bone left or if Nick Mutt went and did his own show. It just wouldn't be period. Yeah. And that's not even a blip on the radar that we're, we're not going anywhere. And, and thank you so much for all the kind words. And, uh, yeah, I, I it's, uh, no matter where we're at, sharing camp is special. It's, it's so, it's so you, you can probably, we we'll go into camp and because we've done it so much, I know how things are going to go. It's like, everybody's a little uptight. When I say uptight, meaning like the other hunters that are in camp with us, the guides are uptight. They're like, Oh, these TV guys are coming in. They're going to be, you know, hoity-toity. Yeah, they look like they're having a good time, but I really know that that's not the way it is. So I know personally, I want to earn their trust quick. So we're making them laugh. We're including them all. We're making everybody there feel, and I'm not saying that arrogantly. I'm just saying this is the camp feel. We want everybody there to go home just saying, man, I, I did we even hunt? I just know we had a great time. Oh yeah, we did hunt a little bit, you know? So, so many people leave from home going to their camp and they're so focused on, I got to kill a deer. I got to kill a deer. I done spent $3,500 to go on this hunt. I got to kill a deer. I got to kill a deer. Whereas they're missing the whole point of what hunting camp is. And then when you get there and you know, like everybody's standing around the skinning shed and we're telling jokes and you're, you're drinking cocktails and you're having a good time. Gosh, man, that is, that is, that is it. I crave that so much. You know, the, don't don't get focused on the the set of horns or you know hey i got a a, a banded duck don't get focused on that yeah there's yep. so much other stuff that's the cherry on top you know please if you get one guy that's stuffy in there that's like man this hunt this hunt stinks because i mean i'm not even seeing an eight point buck to kill well you can tell he's in it for the wrong reasons he is there for the wrong reasons period so uh i i, I hope that that's what and i think it does that's what is portrayed when you're watching our show you know that it's like you you want to crave to share camp with folks like ourselves and uh you, you know to share that we want to capture that rather than it, uh not showing that at all 
Hundred percent, and you do it every week. That's what's so cool. Yeah. Whether you're in New Mexico on the reservation, or you're yeah. up in the Yukon, or you're, in, or it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just, it's just very well done, and that is why the the longevity of the brand is there, and it continues to get better, which is key. But you just mentioned camp and camaraderie. We also mentioned the best of 2020 that Bone Collector is currently doing on Instagram. We both love the culinary part of the wild game of the hunt Mm -hmm. best of 2020 t-bone turner do you have any meals that have stood out her ray ranch uh camp in georgia anywhere you've gone this season have any of the recipes stood out did you try anything new did somebody throw you a curveball where you're like what i'm fixing to eat a crow did it has what's the best of 2020 for food so far Oh, okay, okay. Listen to this. This is a home run. And I brought this home. My wife is Italian, okay? So I have eaten between my, – my mother-in-law is 100% Italian. Didn't move over here till she was 28. So my wife is half Italian. They cook uh, great Italian food. I've had some great Italian cuisine over the last 15, 20 years with my wife. So we're in camp in uh, at Hoodoo Springs uh, where we're staying with my – for my camp. And – uh, my, my partner, Pete, my buddy that we have the, the land together, he, um, two of the people that, that are guides there, they're duck guides. And then the, the lady, which is, um, Rhino's wife, she, uh, they're from South Africa. They've moved over here about two years ago. So, you know, she's, she's cooking with us and, you know, they're sharing camp and everything. We're all having a great time. We're great friends now. And, uh, this is Kansas. She, this is Kansas. Okay, gotcha. And this is early season. I'd met I'd met him in August, and uh, she says, uh, it, you know, in the South African uh, accent, oh, we're gonna have we're gonna have lasagna tonight." And I said, oh, "Okay." I'm like, "This is gonna be good." And she goes, "Yeah, it's 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 lasagna. It's my own recipe. It's South African." And I'm like, "Okay, uh, that'll be neat," you know. And I'm I'm thinking like, my wife cooks the best lasagna. I mean, she's Italian, so it was elk lasagna. So we'd had elk meat in the lasagna. It didn't have much of a sauce in it at all. It was a home run. I mean, I could not get enough of it. I mean, by far, I mean, I told my wife too, I said, this is the best lasagna ever. So the, the every time we're there, she makes two. And I was like, if you don't care, make one, I'll fly it home with me. <laughs> I'll fly home with that lasagna. But I got her to give me the, the, the recipe and my wife even agrees. We've cooked it. We've cooked it. We had it for Thanksgiving dinner. That's what we had for Thanksgiving dinner is South African lasagna. Oh, I love with, it. Um, with elk meat. <laughs> and then we had it again the other day because uh, my family's, uh, we didn't get together with my dad or anything because of COVID. And we had it again for Christmas. That's what's Christmas dinner was lasagna again. And actually tonight I'm going to eat it because I got some leftover in there. So we got elk <laughs> uh, leftover South African lasagna. And it will, um, if you had some on your forehead, your tongue would beat your brains in getting to it. <laughs> So, so does this uh, have the potential of really irritating and making mama and mama law mama in law mad? I think she'd love it too. I think she'd Italian, be open to it. Italians are very prideful, T Bone. Oh They're yeah, very hey, prideful. Yeah. She would stomp a mud hole in my butt too, but uh, <laughs> I think she would love it. <laughs> she would. So South African elk lasagna. Yes. Now, yes. Would, actually, would you say no sauce? Did it have a lot of cheese? Did it have a lot of fat? What did it have a lot of? Uh, <laughs> Uh, a lot of the white cheese in it. What's that stuff called that goes in lasagna usually? Well, it, it's a uh, um, ricotta. Ricotta, or, uh, ricotta, ricotta. Yeah. It, it, no ricotta. No ricotta no at ricotta. all. They make, a, they make a butter 
and, and it's a, it's almost like a roux. It's got flour in it with butter, a little bit of lemon, uh, but it's a real thick, cheesy like sauce. I tell you what I'm going to do when we hang up, I'm going to post it on Instagram and tag you on it. I'm going to warm up my leftover and I'm going to say, please do your heart out, Chad. <laughs> also, yeah, please do that. But also do this, yeah. please, because you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to publish this cookbook in 2021 yeah. called the provider. Will you ask her if you, I, I'm not saying put it in the cookbook unless she ever permitted that. Yeah. maybe part two, but can you ask her if you could share the recipe with me? Because my mom is also Italian. She yeah. makes an unbelievable lasagna and manicotti. I like just tons of my uncle, ma- my uncle has made like sausage and peppers and Italian stuff that just blow oh. my mind. Um, oh, yeah. um, could you ask her if you could just share the recipe with me? Cause my brother yeah. just was lucky enough to harvest about a three thirty nine bowl uh, a couple weeks ago in the late season in Nevada. And we just, oh, yeah. we, we just did all the processing and we have enough of the ground elk. Would you uh, ask her if I could try it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, hers doesn't include mushroom. We upgraded it. We, I had to have mushrooms in it. So, but other than that, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure she won't mind at all, but it's, Oh, it's to die for. It's awesome. God, that sounds good. South African. I, well, if you think yeah. about if you think about how close Africa is to Italy, I mean, Sicily is just right above North Africa. You still got to yeah. go through the entire continent of Africa to get to the country of South Africa. But that's yeah. that's kind of cool that 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 the Italian culture has spanned all over the world. It's yeah. I used to tell people Italian food was 100% my favorite and it still is up there, but, and you're yeah. going to, you're probably going to disagree with this and I don't know where your mind or your brain's going to be at this T-bone, but sushi, I just admitted today to David Wise, who is uh, a, a two-time gold medalist for our U S Olympic team in freestyle skiing, six-time gold medal winner for the X games. He goose hunted with us this morning and I looked at him out of nowhere. We're driving home and I'm driving T-bone and I look at him in my passenger seat. I go, David, I got to come clean with you. He goes, what's that, Chad? I go, I'm addicted to sushi. (laughs) He goes, where did that come from? I go, dude, I am starving. And all I can think about is raw fish, the, the octopus and the, in the, in the, in the, the salmon and the yellowtail and the tuna. Like I'm addicted T-bone. I know it's called bait where you come from, but have you tried it? And do you enjoy some sushi? Oh yeah. Shishimi. I love, I love some sushi. Yeah. I mean, that's the number one thing to do when you go to uh, Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we go to Sushi Samba, man, like three or four times. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Oh, and yeah. I go to Nobu over at the Hard Rock when I'm in oh, Vegas. Oh, yeah, very good. No, Okay, so I'm addicted to sushi, but I've always said for years, I just, I can't get enough Italian, even through the 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 uh, the no carb, the, the what was the doctor's name? What was the diet called? The uh, Atkins? Uh, the, yeah, the Atkins diet. You know, I'm like, I would look at people and be like, you're, you're telling me you're never going to eat lasagna again. You're never going to eat some noodles yeah. again. There's you're never going to yeah. eat manicotti or cannelloni again. You're not, you're oh. not going to do it. Come on, get real. Like, you know, yeah. it's crazy. I love Italian. I love making red gravies. Brown. Yeah. I love making Italian gravies, man. Love it. Yeah. My, uh, I don't know if they have Carabas in Nevada there, but Carabas is our, my, my wife kind of a chain restaurant. That's our favorite restaurant. Carabas is. I, is that the one that's got the green? I know that Italian's Italian flag is green and white and red, but Carabas has got like a red word with a green. The main logo's in green. That's correct. Yeah, I've seen, I, we don't have them out here, but I've seen them when I'm yeah. in, on the road. 
yeah, T-Bone, this, is, this has been awesome, man. I wish yeah. one time we do have to share a Jack Daniels, the title sponsor of our podcast. I'm only, I'm going to be talking with Wadi coming up about potentially uh, building an event together with Jack Daniels come April, depending on the bone collector schedule, but it'll sure. be in the state of Tennessee, but I want to run it by you guys. Cause we've been threatening to do something for a minute. Sure. I'm going to end this by asking you, and if you haven't, I'm going to send you a link and a password. Have you seen the Brent Cobb, episode of the foul life with waddell and it that we that we uh aired about a month ago no i did not i'm gonna send it will you, do you mind watching it while you're eating your I'll, south african elk lasagna tonight and let me know what you think i will be glad to because this is the party that you missed because you had to drive home and waddell and munt ended up coming to watch brent cobb play at our nwtf party oh yeah 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 so, I, I, yeah i do remember that so i want to you're in it you're in it um waddell's in it i want to see what you because you sat down with me and uh, andy griggs and i that day yeah. um i want to i want to get your honest opinion on the show can i text it to you I'd, I'd love yeah i'd love to see it yeah and brent cobb is so freaking talented man yeah so talented hey he came out here three weeks ago landed in my home city and drove a four-hour trip to me to the southern oregon northern california border and he was so he brought a childhood friend that loves duck hunting first time brent cobbs duck hunted besides walking a ditch one time i believe for a wood duck in georgia but <laughs> t-bone if i can explain what i got to witness musically in that camp for three and a half days of yeah. fire talk and fire singing and guitar picking and I'm talking like the dude is on a different level of songwriting. Yeah. He's like, again, I'm not saying it because I can, he's a genius. Like the dude is on a different level of songwriting. He truly is. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, he sings about, uh, we have the little grand Canyon right here in Georgia, you know, cause he grew up, uh, you know, around here and he sings about it. And a little, uh, fun fact is the, the, the first start of, uh, the first opening that we had with bone collector, we filmed it there. This was long before we even had a show. We filmed it in the Little Grand Canyon, which is about an hour south of here. It looks like we're out west somewhere, but it's right here in South Georgia, and it's called Prov the, Providence Canyon. That's exactly right. Providence. Yep. That's the name of his second album. Yep, Providence and Canyon. And I love that song. And I yep. love I love South of Atlanta. And I love Come Home Soon, where he talks about being on the road in Colorado, and that he was thought he would live and die in Georgia. Like he's an he's just an amazing talent in the way. Yep. I just want you to see it and see. Waddell said that he watched it twice back to back and he couldn't believe kind of like, man, like there wasn't a whole bunch of hunting in that. <laughs> and I go, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. It was just, we were trying to do something different. He said, well, you nailed it. He liked it. So I want to get your opinion. If you let sure. me know, T-Bone, thank you so much for being here. Any closing words, my man? Man. Hey, you're welcome here. Anytime, Chad, when you come to the South, you, you got a place to stay here at my house. So, um, and, and thank you for having me on and you keep doing what you're doing, buddy. You're, you're doing great job. And, and to everybody listening, man, just, just, uh, hang in there and fight for your right. <laughs> man. I love it. That's uh, the famous words of MCA, Mike D rolling across the land with the, what's the other one's name? Who am I missing? Mike D MCA's passed away. Ad Rock. Ad Rock. Ad King Rock. Ad Rock. That is my name. And I know the fly spot where they got the champagne. Yep. You <laughs> ha hang in there. My next TikTok is that. I swear. <laughs> I swear, you hang in. It's coming. I oh, I love me some freaking uh, License to Eel. 1986. I'm not going to say what grade I was in, but it was before I was in seventh grade. And I'm talking like I stood in line to get that vinyl. And I have that original vinyl hanging on my wall in a record frame now. Awesome, man. Uh, tag That's me. Awesome. On, I'm not on TikTok, but send me that because my buddy, one of my producers, Ty, is on TikTok. He's from the state of Georgia. And yeah. uh, I want to watch that when you do. Hey, do you follow T-Bone on TikTok? 
Yeah, he does. So I'm going to watch that when you post it. Awesome, man. It'll be coming your way. Thank you again for having me on, man. Yes, sir. That's my man, Travis T-Bone Turner, Bone Collector, the Brotherhood Outdoor Channel, the one and only T-Bone Turner, one of the best shows ever thought of and conceived right here in America, the only place that we get to do what we get to do. We cannot take that for granted. We are not entitled to it. We're blessed to be an American hunter, conservationist, fisher, outdoorsman, conservationist, food plotter, provider. Keep living off the land, y'all. I appreciate everybody's support. Please keep supporting the partners and sponsors that support us. Jack Daniels, thank you again for everything you do. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Let's hit that button right now and go out with... Let's go out with the Brent Cobb song. We're talking to a man from Georgia. Jake, please hit the button and play South of Atlanta by the one and only Brent Cobb. Thank you all very much. Put your nose in the air. Take me south of Atlanta. Don't stop till we Fishing still good, and if you want.